Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. In this week's episode, I'm bringing you the best bits from the fourth Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. Thanks to everyone who showed up in person and online and a huge thanks to our speakers and of course to the team behind the event. So coming up in today's episode, why public sector leadership need to role model great digital communications, the social media maneuvers being made by public sector marketing pros in an ever-changing landscape, how to get the truth to rise to the top in the age of disinformation and have a look at some great innovation in public sector. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. Here is your host, Joanne Sweeney in Dublin. Right now, society is operating on a tectonic plate. Emerging fault lines, shifting boundaries, causing unease. The tectonic plate we must give our attention to is trust. You won it during the pandemic with your leadership and your digital maneuvers. But the cyclone of chaos in the world right now in the aftermath of the pandemic has shaken us all. It's shaken the pillars of society to its core. The weight of war on our continent, a cost of living crisis, a looming recession with rising inflation, interest rates, a continuing climate crisis of which we have less than eight years to reverse. Food security, a mental health pandemic, and democracies being tested right across the world. This decade is asking serious questions of humanity, and humanity is asking serious questions of you. Who can I trust? Who really cares? Is it truth or is it spin? Is it every woman, man, transgender, non-binary individual for herself, himself or themselves. Sitting side by side here today and streaming into our Summit event app, we are going to discuss reimagining public sector and government communications in the post-pandemic age. The power battle between people, politics, policy, not-for-profit and profit is creating a tension so great. Public interest messaging by its very nature promises open lines of communication to the people in whose interest you operate. Step into new ground, safeguard public trust like nothing else. Make public trust your non-negotiable. Because, trust me, the impressions online are infinite, but the public impression is finite. Today I hand over this stage, as we always do, 
to public sector and government pros who are changing the world one digital message at a time. And that, my friends, is all of you. Good morning and welcome to the fourth Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. I'm Joanne Sweeney and my job simply today is to be your host and your tour guide. We promise insight and inspiration, strategy and stress testing, highs and lows that you have experienced and that punctuate your work in the public interest. Public sector pros, we salute you. So this sets the tone for today and quite simply the speakers that we have from across the world are going to bring their frontline public sector and government communications experience to bear. While they come from diverse sectors in public policy and government, the common denominator is great communication. So I have absolutely no doubt you're going to leave with some new ideas, uh, be inspired for 2023, and also get to network with each other. We are asking you to go into that elevator and go to the next level. You completely transformed during the pandemic. The agility that we witnessed um, and that I've written about in the second edition of Public Sector Marketing Pro, that needs no discussion. You did it. The next question is, so where do we go from here? Tom uh, is a former Obama administration appointee, having served both in the White House and the Department of State between 2011 and 2016. He is a partner and the chief growth officer at 720 Strategies, as well as a keynote speaker, writer, and adjunct professor at American University. He's also written the foreword for both of my books, so you may add that to your LinkedIn uh, profile, Tom. But ladies and gentlemen, four years later, Tom Cochran is speaking at the Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. Stage is yours, Tom. So I'm going to talk to you about my time in the White House and the State Department and how we affect the change using digital technology. Uh, it is kind of quaint uh, now to think about uh, the olden days. Uh, this was uh, 14 years ago. 14 years ago. So if I had a child back then, that would be a teenager now. That would be complaining about everything. Uh, nevertheless, but this is when we elected the first African-American president of the United States. It feels like a world, a world away. So much has changed. And in fact, what we fail to acknowledge, it is also the first time we elected a true Irish-American president of the United States. Uh, he came to visit Ireland and had a wonderful time here and actually does have some family connections to Ireland. So, I do want to go back to 2009 in January when he took office in January, and that's when he signed into uh, order the Open Government Directive, and that is in direct response to the prior administration's opaque way of operating. And so this is open government. This is operating in an open and transparent way, focusing on transparency, uh, focusing on participation, and focusing on collaboration. All of these are traits and characteristics which really should be what government and public sector is about. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com.
Our next speaker and our only virtual speaker of the day is coming in from the United States. And do we have him? We do. So our next speaker is Professor Steve Morielli. And let me tell you how I met Steve. So it's always a backstory to how I meet people. Interestingly, we were introduced by the Criminal Assets Bureau. Maybe I could just leave the story there and let you finish the story in your own mind. Um, and then I became a guest on his Cop Doc podcast. And the voice that introduced me today is the voice of Steve. Um, he's got a great radio voice, but his career is absolutely phenomenal. And just indulge me for a moment to, to give you some of that. Uh, so he's a visiting scholar to the law school on a Fulbright project proposal, which was approved by the US Department of State. He's a professor and chair of the Criminal Justice Department at Worcester State University in Massachusetts, USA. He's a second career academic, having served with the US Army in the Military Police Corps, a New England police agency, and retiring as a manager with the US Drug Enforcement Administration. He worked in the UL, yes, law school in University of Limerick on a team to conduct an academic assessment of training curriculum for Angarda Shiochana. In 2001, he received the Distinguished Service Award from the Secretary of US Health and Human Services for his role in responding and leading a team of agents to assist in disaster relief and recovery at the site of the World Trade Center attacks on September 11, 2001. Professor Morielli has research interests in leadership development, organizational change, decision-making, and integrative and active learning. And he holds a doctoral degree in public administration from Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. And my friends, and we've had many conversations, Steve and I, but have a look at the title of his presentation. And if that doesn't make you sit up in your seat, then his voice will. So Steve, the virtual stage is yours, my friend. Good morning, Joanne, and thank you from the United States. It is five o'clock in the morning, everybody. I am thrilled to be here. We're gonna be talking about leadership. And as I was listening to Tom and Joanne as she opened, um, one of the things that I found when I went to Ireland for the first time, and I was actually working with the, uh, the Criminal Assets Bureau, was the first thing that uh, Irish folk ask is, what's your, what's your connection? And I didn't know what the hell that meant, but really what they were saying is, why, how are you connected to Ireland? And my grandmother was a Delaney. Uh, that 9-11 reference that you talk about and hearing about the, the moment of silence just gives me tingles because it brings me back to that day when I saw 9-11. Tom talked about a process, and we're going to talk about a process of leadership. And my background is there, makes no difference. But we're going to focus on, for a few minutes, and I only have a few minutes, and then we'll talk in subgroups, uh, about the difference between leadership and management, the elements in the language of leadership, and look for opportunities to practice and develop others. I think that's one of the most important thing. Most of us who are sitting in the room, well, I, I, I actually, this old uh, cogger is not a digital native, and I have had to grow up in, uh, in learning digital natives, and I have young students who were digital natives, and when I can't figure something out, I always call on them, how do I fix this, which is quite, a, quite amazing. But what that says is I recognize, and we should recognize, we don't know everything. Mm 
And when we don't know everything, we have to find other people who can help us and vice versa. We can help each other. So that's important. I am no longer the chair of the department. I just stepped down. But uh, for 11 years, uh, I was a manager once again, uh, a leader of people. And it's not always easy. But I want to remind you that leadership is not about you. It's about the other people around you. It's all on you, but it's about everybody else. It's about so many things. It is such a difficult job to be a true leader because there are so many balls you have to keep up in the air. And what Tom said about process, leadership is the same thing. It's a process. It's not a position. For anybody who is in the public sector, uh, most of you are, but who were in the military or we're in police or fire or emergency medical, it is not me coming in and saying, I won this job. You will do what I say because I have stripes on my sleeve or I have bars on my collar. It is about developing relationships. So important, I think. And so today, what we begin to do is to talk a little bit about what's the language of leadership? How do we communicate? How do we listen? How do we set expectations? How do we hold people accountable without being an ogre? And in my mind, one of the most important things is to step back when you're leading and reflect. Think about how you did this week, how you interacted, what you missed, what you could have done better. Because to me, I'm a lifelong learner. I think all of you would not be here if you were not lifelong learners. And that becomes really important to sit back and reflect and say, how did I do and how can I improve? This is an interesting little, I don't know where this came from, but people want to be led. They don't want to be managed. I do so much training, especially for police and fire officials. And I ask people, do you want to be considered a good leader or a good manager? And 100% of the people raise their hand and say, I want to be a good leader. And so I'll say, great. What's your leadership style? What's your leadership approach? How do you approach leadership? And I get them to think about this deep. In terms of the elements, and there's so many, it's about casting a vision, setting goals, engaging stakeholders inside and outside the agency. But I have to say one of the most important thing is mentoring and coaching and developing others in my mind. One thing that public sector, especially in the United States, does not do well is market. And when I heard digital marketing, public sector marketing, and Joanne's role in that, it really caught my attention because we may be good at doing the job, we're not not good at telling the story. And I think that becomes so important. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. I've had the, the pleasure of working alongside this woman and leader for the past seven years. And the work that you guys do and our next speaker does is certainly a vocation. You have to say that you choose to be in the public service, to be of service to the people. And Antoinette Cunningham, who is the General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, said once in an article, my father's death made me determined to stand up for colleagues' rights. And we all have our mission and our motive and our inspiration that drives us. 
She's a lone woman in a traditionally male-dominated organization, and she probably holds the national record for smashing through a succession of glass ceilings and rising through the ranks to be one of the top individuals, respected and authority figures in Garda trade unions. She officially broke the gender barrier a few years ago following an independent external selection process and she emerged as the best candidate for the job of General Secretary of AGSI, a position she still holds today. And believe it or not, she was the first woman to take the position in AGSI's then 43-year history. So Antoinette Cunningham, the stage is yours, my friend. Thank you very much, Joanne, and what a pleasure it is here to be here today with Joanne and Sophie and you all, and uh, I'm delighted to meet you. And uh, just let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, as Joanne has said, Antoinette Cunningham is my name. I'm an inspector in Angarda Siakana, and I joined the Gardaí 32 years ago, when I was 12, obviously. <laughs> so let's not be doing any adding up there. And uh, I worked as an operational police uh, member of Angarda Siakana, uh, for many years, stationed firstly in Dublin, then moving down to Killarney and Kerry, uh, into Limerick, and then over to the Garda College. And I suppose during my time in the Garda College, I developed a training expertise, I did a lot of study, uh, undertook a master's and a number of other qualifications, and then uh, had never been involved in a staff association. And I should explain, a staff association is the equivalent of a trade union. We have to call it a staff association in Angarda Siakana, because we don't carry full trade union rights. The first of those being that we are not allowed to go on strike and we're not allowed to engage in industrial action of any kind. So uh, my father died very suddenly at home one day, just of a massive heart attack. He had previously been a trade unionist, not in the guards. I have no connection to Angarda Siakana. And I suppose after his death, it, it, I reflected a lot about the things he had did and workers' rights and the ability of workers to have their voice heard. And from then on, I became involved in the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, where I have served, uh, first of all, just on a national executive, working my way up, as Joanne has said, to now the position of General Secretary. So let me tell you just a little bit about my presentation this morning. I'm going to talk to you about how to communicate from your personal social media account in a professional capacity. Now, this is a little bit unusual, and I'll tell you why. Um, the association that I work for, the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors, represents about 2,500 frontline sergeants and inspectors all over Ireland, all operational, uh, all working in the frontline. So we have our own social media accounts in AGSI, but obviously because of the organisation that I work for, we are restricted in what we can say in public commentary because the commissioner is the overall person in charge of the Gardaí. Therefore, we're not allowed to comment on operational matters. It is he who comments on operational matters. So we do have opinions, however, on matters such as the rights of our employees, the health and safety of the people that we represent, and on resource and resource allocation and matters like that. So Frequently, because of the boundaries and limitations that are placed on me by my role in AGSI, I then utilise my own social media accounts to say things that might not be acceptable to say in my work account. But intrinsically, they're obviously linked. 
because I am the front face of AGSI. Therefore, whether I say it in a professional capacity in my AGSI account or in my own capacity in my own private Twitter account, it still gets a reaction. But I can move the boundary slightly in my own Twitter account as opposed to my AGSI one. So if we just move on to the next slide, uh, I'll just tell you a little bit. Oh, I have a clicker here myself, haven't I? I do. Okay. So, uh, as I said, 2,500 membership representing AGSI. We are non-political, but we have strong issues in relation to management, resourcing, uh, and other issues. And Joanne has given you a little bit about my own history and how I came to be into this position. So, these are the things that I have to be mindful of. Because I'm a serving member of Angardashi Akana, you'll appreciate that I have to be very cautious about what I say. The other thing that I have to be is credible. And that's one of the things when Tom was talking earlier about credibility. Credibility is hugely important. If you're going to say something, you have to be able to stand over it. And you have to be evidence-based. And I take a very evidence-based approach to most of the things that I do. So if I'm going to go on radio or express an opinion, I make sure that it's evidence-based and that it's factually correct. And that it's not something that I can't stand over afterwards if I'm challenged, either internally within Angarda Shia or externally by somebody else. Or indeed, first and foremost, by one of the members that I represent in AGSI. So there's a whole lot of audiences that I have to consider before I put my finger on the Twitter button, either on the AGSI account or on my own account. Clarity, I think, is hugely important for people. When you go on um, radio, and I do a lot of radio interviews for AGSI, I have to be able to talk in a way that ordinary people can relate to. And one of the things that I don't do is use acronyms, use internal Garda language that most people wouldn't understand. I have to make it relatable for people so that ordinary people that are sitting at home in their sitting room or at their breakfast table understand what it is that I'm talking about. I have to advocate, obviously, for my own Garda colleagues, but neither can I damage the organisation that I work for, because that would be counterproductive. All of us that work in Angarda Shia still have a loyalty to the organisation itself, but that doesn't mean we can't challenge things that are happening within the organisation. And it's that ability to be able to challenge something without damaging it at the same time. Because public trust in Angarda Shia in this country is very, very important. We police with the consent of the people, and we can't do our job without the public's assistance and help. And you know this because every time there's a major incident, the first people we turn to are out to the public. So we cannot break or damage public trust, no matter what we do. So even at times, if we're not very happy with things that are happening in Angarda Shia we have to be mindful not to damage it overall, but be able to challenge it in an evidence-based, meaningful way. Twitter is a platform that I have learned uh, um, has been hugely beneficial to some of the work that I do. And I'm going to show you a few examples of something in a few minutes that I tweet from my own personal account, but that has an impact on the job that I do. I'm going to show you some of those in a few minutes. Correcting the record is hugely important and challenging the record. And again, I'm going to show you an example of this, where recently the Irish Examiner uh, published an article about the Garda Band. Now, for anyone here in Ireland or beyond, the Garda Band is an institution. 
It's as, it's as long-standing as the organization itself. It adds to every occasion from the most solemn of occasions like uh, a funeral to the most happiest of occasions like the Rose of Tralee and literally everything in between. And an article appeared on the Irish Examiner about the Garda Band. Would you pay to go to see Paolo Nutini or would you pay to go to see the Garda Band? I'm going to show you this in a few minutes, the reaction that that got when I tweeted about that. Is that okay? So live tweeting, of course, news is instantaneous and today's news is over by tomorrow. So one of the things that I have learned through my work with Joanne over the last is being able to react in the moment at the time because today's news is over by this afternoon. One time you bought the daily paper and that was your news for the day. Now it doesn't matter. The news at one o'clock is different by the time we get to six o'clock and it's different again by the time we get to nine o'clock that night. And I have done interviews with RTE news that are broadcast at one o'clock, reduced by six o'clock and have disappeared by nine o'clock that night. So if you have something that you need to say, you need to be able to say it in the moment at the time to maximize on the opportunity. Because if you take four hours to consider that, the story has moved on. And that's been a huge learning curve for me. If you want to get the reaction, if you want to get interest, or if you want to get a message out there, it has to be in the moment at the time. And if you contemplate that for too long, or your decision-making ability or confidence around it isn't strong enough, then it will have passed you by. And that has been a huge lesson for me. Because as I said, what's headline at nine o'clock is changed by one and six and nine. And the next day, the story has passed you by. So Emma Finn is Head of Internal Communications with the HSE since 2019, an organisation with over 100,000 employees. How does she do it? I don't know. Um, but she joined the HSE in 2015 and set up their very first digital communications team. And I remember that time, Emma. And can I say, Marisa, who's Head of Social Media, who was a keynote speaker at our conference last year, reminded me this week that couple of years ago what year was it 2015 I was in the office and they'd reached 30,000 Twitter followers and we'd cake and tea well only this week the HSE have reached 250,000 followers round of applause amazing work by that team no digital team built up by Emma and then um, Marisa leads her social media team. But prior to working in public sector, Emma was in the private sector. Uh, she worked in healthcare um, and she worked in Australia. She worked for a decade working with large multinational retailers uh, in Ireland and in Australia and in a variety of marketing and e-commerce roles. But she now leads the internal comms team of eight people. You need more people for over 100,000. And has to communicate um, in a meaningful but in an agile way with all um, staff. Emma is a board member of Community Creations, spunout.ae, but her most important role, like all of us mammies, is being mammy to our three beautiful daughters, Isla, Pippa and Evie. So Emma, the stage is yours. Um, so as Joanne said, we set up the internal comms team in the HSE, the largest employer in the state in 2019. We had not had an internal comms team for about five years, which is kind of astounding, given the, the, the volume of people that work for the organization um, and the importance of the work that we do. Um, 
But I suppose I'm just going to touch on quickly today around how we, we try to build trust through transparent internal communications. And I'm always very conscious, you know, we, we are only kind of scratching the surface with what we're doing with, with internal comms in the organisation, but we have made huge progress over the last number of years. So, and, and I suppose why I've put this up on the screen, um, you know, we all talk about the kind of, and I hate the overuse of the term crisis, but the crisis and trust in government, media, organisations, and I think it's something that all of us, particularly working in the public sector, are really, you know, it, it really impacts the work that we do and how important it is to have trust and build trust with the people that we provide services for. And then I'm also struck, having come into internal communications, having never worked in it before, coming from kind of digital e-commerce, um, how under underinvested internal communications is in many organisations. When I talk to a lot of peers, particularly across the private sector, it can be lone soldiers in organisations, I mean the public sector, it can be lone soldiers in organisations trying to manage internal communications when there's a lot more investment in the, pub, in the kind of public communication side of things. And just looking at the Edelman Trust Barometer, um, both from kind of this year, and it, there was a particular one that focused on healthcare, a person's employer is the most trusted, the second most believed source of information actually, and the closer that employees are to each other, to their leaders and to the CEO, the more likely they are to, to trust the organisation. So it's hugely important as organisations, as con professionals, that we see the value of internal communications and see that they're both like internal communications and public communications need to really work hand in hand. And I particularly feel that every day in my job with, you know, um, such a large workforce that work for the HSE and such a vocal workforce at times and how important it is that as an organisation we are speaking to them, trying to bring them closer to each other, to their colleagues, to senior leaders and to our CEO. So it's, it's a really, really important part. It's a really important part of our future strategy for communications within the HSE and something that, we, yes, my team is definitely too small, um, but uh, it's something that like, we're looking to invest in more, more into the future. We have done a piece of work in the HSE, and I'm, I'm not going to go through this too much, just around what the drivers of trust. So we are doing a piece of work around trust and confidence and building trust and confidence within the HSE, but also we're looking at it from a staff perspective. And some of the really, really important things that have come out about that is the quality of communication from senior managers is really, really important. Explaining to staff, it's not actually about the decision that's been made, it's explaining to them why the decision has been made, why you've arrived at a particular decision is so, so valuable. And an open flow of communication and leaders being transparent with their teams around, around what's happening in the organisation and, and around why those decisions have been made is, is really, really important. So it's something that, to, echo, like to say it again, that it as public sector communications professionals, I'd urge you all to agitate as much as you can within your own organisations about the importance of internal comms. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. And that's a wrap from us for this year's summit, but also for episode 76 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. If you want to watch back any of the highlights, make sure that you go to our YouTube channel, also called Public Sector Marketing Show. Until next week, 
I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. 